So today we'll begin again our practice of equanimity. And some of you um, may use the first phrase, the traditional phrase, more than the other phrases, or you may use it uh, sometimes. And you might want to understand more about that phrase, all beings are owners of their actions or their karma. Sometimes we say all beings are owners of their intentions. Intentions produce karma. That's what Steve was talking about this morning. Then the rest of that is their happiness or unhappiness depends upon their actions and not upon my wishes. So when you use that phrase, it's helpful to remember that it's not that we give up on uh, these people that we're developing equanimity about when we use the phrase, all beings are owners of their actions. Their happiness depends upon their actions and not upon my wishes. We still offer them our good wishes. We still offer them all of our goodwill. But what happens in the practice of equanimity is we let go of the attachment to result of the offering of our goodwill, even of the, off, of the development of our equanimity around that person. We develop equanimity mainly because it's good for our own hearts. It's good for the uh, development of non-reactivity within us. So that even though we're not saying anything, maybe some of you have already realize through your own experience that even when we're not saying anything, when we're in the presence of a lot of intense um, experience, when other people are going through intense experiences, or when we are going through intense experiences, if we can bring some moments of non-reactivity to that whole interaction or to that just what's going on within us, that settling back, that ability to not bring aversion or attachment or any added aversion or attachment to the interplay of things, it just makes the whole situation a lot more easeful for us to bear. It brings a lot more clarity so that we have some space to take the appropriate action. And oftentimes, in the moment, the appropriate action is no action. And I know that a lot of us as activists in the world don't feel right about this, that we must take action. And as the Dalai Lama said one time in a group of activists that I, when I was hearing an uh, interview with him, he said, to take action is good, but make sure that your action is without harm. It's without attachment or aversion. So it gives us that space to make sure that there, it's without harm, that our action is without further harming the situation. It's said that the proximate cause for equanimity to arise is the understanding of the nature of karma, is understanding the nature of karma, that there is a cause and effect relationship going on 
in every moment. And so <clears throat> if we want to really make sure that we're not causing harm, and this is just could be just for a moment. It doesn't have to be that we wait for a day or an hour or even a minute. If we want to make sure, then we clean our hearts in that moment. We wait till that attachment or that aversion passes away. And then we take action because what karma is, is this intention that is accompanied by an unwholesome mind state produces unpleasant results. Intention accompanied by a wholesome mind state produces pleasant results. It's as easy as that. So um, when you come to the place where you're trying to figure karma out or wonder well, what's, where did this come from or where this is going to, the Buddha said that if you try to ponder on karma too much, it would make your head explode. It's, it's one of those imponderables. So uh, you don't have to, you know, it's, it's a vast, unknowable area. If we just have a sense of making our action intention clear from this moment on, just from this moment on, it'll make a huge difference in our lives. So when we use the phrase, all beings are owners of their actions, their happiness or unhappiness depends upon their actions and not upon my wishes, we can know two things about that. We can know that it doesn't really depend entirely upon our good wishes. But our good wishes, our goodwill, do, do have an effect. It's true. But when we have attachment to that, then that effect is sullied. It's not so clear. It's not so pure. And the other thing that we can remember when we uh, use this phrase is just to understand karma in terms of the creation of new karma. The, in every moment that we take action or there is an intention, karma is being created. And if we're really careful about that, we can change our whole lives and the lives of those around us. If we ponder on past karma too much, the resultant karma, it will just make us more and more confused. So keep that in mind as you do the practice. Sometimes I like to use the phrase, um, this is not up there, but the unfolding of a person's life is a result of countless and innumerable unknown causes and conditions. And so when we look at what, how a person is in their life right now, and we understand that, just understand that in principle, this, this experience, this event in this person's life, or even in our own life, is a result of countless unknowable causes and conditions, it sort of makes my mind just relax and not try to figure it all out. What really counts is how we act from this moment forward, because we can't do anything about that except not react. And that non-reactivity 
which means not reacting with aversion or attachment, creates our future. Okay, so let's not think too much about karma now. (laughs) But it is part of equanimity. It's a big part of equanimity, understanding and practice. Bring our attention to the body. And find that place in the body where you can touch in with a sense of safety, the heart, the breath, or the hands, whatever or wherever else it makes you feel like you can be safe, relaxed, at ease. And as usual, we begin with the neutral person calling to mind and heart who this person is that you're choosing. You might just have a general sense of this person. Then again, we reflect about the universal fact that all beings experience the ups and downs of the changing world we live in. All beings are affected by praise and blame and gain and loss, joy and sorrow. And this is how it is for this person as well. If we understand that in ourselves, for ourselves, we can understand it for this person. With great kindness, we can say, this is how it is for you. All beings have their own journey, depending upon their actions, intentions.
and then turning the attention to how we feel in our own hearts in relationship to that neutral person. Clearly knowing, or as clearly as we can, is there a sense of connection or disconnection, apathy? Is there a sense of deep understanding, compassion? Whatever it is, let it be known with equanimity. This is how it is in my own heart right now. Know it with acceptance and clarity. If you can't feel anything, know that too. And then moving on to a dear friend. Having a sense of who you're choosing. Reflecting on this person, some event in their life, situation, or something about them per se. May I open to how it is for you in your life with balance, with understanding.
All beings have their own journey. be okay with your journey. <coughs> now look into your own heart knowing what's happening there in relationship to this person, this person's life. This is how it is in my own heart. May I open to my inner journey with understanding, with balance. When you're ready, choose another person in this category, a dear friend, a loved one. Someone you're interested in developing more equanimity. Again, reflecting about this person.
better to choose an individual and not go into any groups, just staying with an individual. The unfolding of your life is a result of countless unknowable causes and conditions. All beings have their own journey. May my heart be at ease with your journey. journey is in relationship to this person. May I open to my own heart with non-reactivity.
When you don't have any words, it's okay. Just breathing in, breathing out, relaxing the heart around your own inner journey. Now moving on to a benefactor. Clearly knowing who it is you're choosing. reflecting about them or their life. All beings are owners of their actions. This is how it is. Just breathing in, breathing out when there's no more words. Relaxing the heart. what it is in our own hearts that we need to pay attention to. When you get pulled back into that other person's life, gently come back to your own heart.
open to how it is in my heart. Moving on to the difficult person. Once you've become clear about who this one is, again reflecting about this person, their life, a particular event, carefully doing so. a phrase that keeps your heart in balance about this person. All beings are owners of their actions. Their happiness depends upon their actions, not upon my wishes. This is how it is for you in your life right now. 
Whenever your own heart calls for attention, turn the attention there. May my heart be at ease and clear no matter what's happening. May I open with kindness and balance to my own heart's unfolding. Now we move on to oneself. And of course, we've come back to oneself with every individual. So we've been working a lot on our own hearts. But here we call to mind to remember something in our own lives that has been a challenge to us, something that might have been, have, has been perplexing. Having to do with praise or blame, gain and loss, pleasure or pain, fame and disrepute, or anything similar 
birth and death. And holding that event, situation, experience in a big space, in the spaciousness of equanimity, just allowing ourselves to touch that experience or that challenge, the ups and the downs of our life. Let it be in a space as big as the sky if you need to. May I accept how it is in my life right now. with balance, with kindness, with clarity. May I accept how it is. Breathing in, breathing out, relaxing the heart. And then knowing what the subtleties are of our own heart's response to this situation or event. Opening to the deeper layers. Letting the story of our life be to the side. What's the moment-to-moment experience in our hearts? Name it if it helps you. Accept how it is 
in my own heart, moment to moment, with equanimity. Breathing in, breathing out, relaxing the heart. to a close now with oneself. Now seeing if you can place the difficult person somewhere in this field of your practice, somewhere nearby. Maybe this person is sitting right in front of you in your imagination. and having the benefactor right next to this difficult person. And your two loved ones or friends on the other side. And the neutral person. Let your concentration be strong to know this vision or this sense. And then offering all of these people in this group your unconditional loving kindness. as much as you can. Just as I wish to be safe and protected, I wish this for all of you. Radiating, offering your goodwill to all of these beings without preference, without partiality. Just as I wish to be happy and peaceful, I offer this goodwill to you, to all of you. Happy, peaceful. Just as I wish to be at ease with the changing conditions of my life, 
I wish this for all of you. May you all be happy, peaceful, whatever's happening. Then expanding that field to include all of our Dharma family here, everyone around us. Breathing in the goodwill of all beings here and then offering that out on an out-breath. Goodwill, loving-kindness to all beings here. Expanding to include everyone here on this land safe, protected, peaceful, happy. Then expanding out to connect with all of our loved ones, near and far. May you all be safe. May your goodness always protect you. And all beings everywhere, in all directions, without exception. The young and the old, and everyone in between. The healthy and the sick. those seen and unseen, known and unknown, all the creatures, animals, insects, all living beings, may you all be happy radiating goodwill from your heart center. May you all be peaceful. May you all be liberated. And may we dedicate the merit now The merit is the beneficial energy that we have all developed and accrued. May we dedicate this merit, share the merit with each other, with all of our loved ones, including those who have passed away, all of our ancestors known and unknown, sharing the merit with all of our leaders, 
by the sharing of this merit, may all beings live with wisdom and compassion. May all beings be peaceful. May all beings be liberated. So today is the last day that we're going to be doing this practice of equanimity. And so if you have any questions, um, yeah. Right, right. Well, eventually we, we can apply it to a group, but when we're practicing in this way, when we're beginning to develop equanimity, it's good to start with individuals. And so the practice is um, formed that way. It's, uh, yeah, it's just with individuals now. Because when there's a group, there's, sometimes it can be so overwhelming, you know, because there's so, so many um, strands of karma mixed in there, the collective karma of the group. And, you know, people get into, well, what happened during this war and that, da-da-da. And it, it just gets to be so overwhelming that it's hard to handle. So it's good to begin with an with a individual. But if you tried it with this small group and it was okay for your heart to go there, then that's fine. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, in the beginning, stick with individuals. It it helps to do that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Yeah. Nothing seems to be receding, and I also noticed 
that I've tended to be most resentful toward people that have <laughs> characteristics very similar to some of the things mm-hmm. that I've heard my testimony for. So I started including myself in this category of difficult people. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I, I just kind of like quit thinking about it so much. Yeah. That's just the way I did it. But I did identify slowly with these people that have some of these same characteristics that I'm so judgmental and loving them, which are also some of my strongest characteristics. Mm-hmm. This week, when you started leading us through, when the various teachers, you yeah. started leading us through the individuals again, I, I was willing to do that. And it was really interesting when I, when I really kind of looked at the individuals, I would then come back and practice some strong meta as you suggested on myself, and all of a sudden it wasn't acting as extreme. Mm-hmm. I could genuinely have empathy with those characteristics that I dislike That's so good. much in others, and more empathy with myself, more sympathy with myself yeah. for those same things. Great. So it wasn't so much a love-hate sort of thing. I could either love them or mm-hmm. I could either hate them. Just as I don't have to take a stance in either loving myself or hating myself. It can be a more generalized, hey, you know, as you say sometimes, and I've heard other people, especially Sylvia, Sylvia Wilson say, we really are trying to do the best that we can. Yeah. So, good. I'm glad it works for you, Jim, that way. And one of the points that you're bringing out is that keep it simple. <laughs> you know, keep it as simple as you can. And do the easier method first before you get it so complicated. So using individuals and coming back to yourself, as you talked about, yeah, just keep it simple. You don't see anything, you don't see any problems. No, I, it seems like your process is working for you. You know, we, um, we hand down what we know from the Buddhist teaching, but it's not set in stone that way. It can change, yeah. And just in one other retreat I went, I didn't um, mention to stay with individuals and someone who was really affected by, um, you know, a war that their family went through started taking that whole situation and it was extremely overwhelming. And the whole group, you know, it was a group of a lot of people had to go through a lot with that person. Um, Yeah, so staying with individuals in the beginning is good. Back there. Can you speak a little louder? Marred. It should be marred. Yeah, somebody pointed that out. Yeah. So uh, I asked that a little note be on the board. It was just Jill apologizes. <laughs> Is her hands were going so fast in typing that. So, yeah. Well, we could probably interpret that in a spiritual way, too. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Heart mind. Uh, you know, in the teachings of the Buddha, the Dharma, the heart and the mind is really the same thing. Um, so when we, we actually use the word citta, 
and that means heart-mind. There's no separation between what we feel in our hearts, you know, those emotions and mental states, um, emotions, mental states, same thing, what we feel in our hearts. Yeah, and actually, what we understand experientially and, and through the Dharma, through the Buddha's teachings, is that when we, when we feel deeply what's going on, yeah, we can, we can kind of feel electromagnetic stuff going on around here, but when we get deeper into our practice, you feel a lot here. You feel a lot in this area. And this area becomes more in the background. You know, what we think of as a mind being here, it isn't really located in any place in a way. But you feel a lot in this area, the heart area. Yes? Um, could you repeat the, what you said about intention and wholesome and unwholesome alternatives? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to repeat it, but then you can maybe clarify again what you're asking. Okay. okay. When the Buddha, when the Buddha was asked, "What is karma? What is karma?" He said to the monks he was speaking to at that time, "Karma, O oh monks, is intention. Karma, O oh monks, is intention." And sometimes the word action is used, and that's when the intention that we have in the mind is carried out, right? is carried out in our physical action in the world or in our action in, in terms of speech, in terms of what we say. So what is, um, you could say, what is karma? You could say karma is intention, and intention that is a company, intention is one um, mental factor. When intention is accompanied by an unwholesome mind state, which is another mental factor. When these two come together, this is the this is a cause. The result is unpleasant. When intention is accompanied by a wholesome mental state, when these two things come together, the result is pleasant. So now, what is your question regarding that? Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm struggling to see there being two separate things. Like the intention is wholesome. Mm-hmm. Well, and if karma is intention, how then isn't what produced the action going to be beneficial? Or do we yeah. But, but now there's this unwholesome mind state, and everything gets all <laughs> My mind is already exploding. <laughs> no, it's okay. You know, it's just trying to figure it out. Is, but um, yes, yeah, some intentions, intentions accompanied by wholesome mind states. When you say the result is pleasant, you can also say that it, it can produce beneficial results. No, you can say that too. Accompanied by unwholesome? 
produces unbeneficial results. You can say that also. Yes. Yes. Uh Exactly. So that was well said. So when we, we, we really understand karma, you know, equanimity is not just a sense of feeling balanced and spacious, but it's a deep understanding, uh, the understanding of karma that comes within it. When we really understand karma, we see the suffering in, in the unfolding life of others and of, and of ourselves. And so we can't do anything else but feel, when, when we're in that sense of balance and there is that space, what comes up is compassion. It can come up. And so, you know, how can we act towards that person? With great gentleness, with great understanding. So for a lot of people, it can bring up a sense of space. Um, when, when the practice is working well that way. Also, it can bring up for me, um, a lot of times I feel that I, my own life is getting entangled with their karma, so to say. And sometimes I say in my own equanimity phrases, may I untangle my karma with yours. You know, it's like, it's just all tangled together. And when I understand that this person is carrying on his or her own journey according to his or her own karma, it really makes that disentanglement happen and that standing back and understanding that with great compassion. And then understanding my own life that way also with great compassion. So that disentanglement can take place. My reactivity to their life is entangling myself with their life. But when there's not that aversion or attachment to their life or to how it should be for them, that's disentanglement. Yeah. What about good karma? Uh, what about good karma? Yeah. Yeah. Wholesome karma, wholesome action, wholesome intention. Wholesome action, wholesome intention gives you that space to consider that the whole situation with wisdom and to take the action that will produce beneficial results. Yeah. 
Alicia. So, you know, in a case like that, it's good to just put that person to the side for the moment because your own heart is calling for attention. Yeah, so then turn your attention here and notice what's happening there. And then in time, it will, it will be clear to you. Yeah, we don't have to kind of figure it out at that moment. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> right. But they're not answering. <laughs> yeah, can you ever do equanimity? <laughs> sure, sure. Yes, I, I do it spontaneously all the time, you know, with situations. It's, it's just how it is, this whole traffic thing right now, or you know, that the doc- you're waiting in the doctor's office for two hours or something. It's just how it is. Um, actually, I find that really helpful because there's nobody I can pin it on. <laughs> right? <laughs> there's nobody I can really blame. And really, it makes the whole situation much more impersonal. Uh, but when I turn back to my own heart and I see what's going on here, the impatience, and you know, then I have to be careful about blaming myself, too. So that's why it's so important to practice equanimity in relationship to what's going on here. You know, we develop that sense of, okay, it's just many causes and conditions that produce this result within me. Can't figure it out right now. It's just how it is right now. Yeah. Oh. So... (coughs) Continue to use the practice or do the practice at other sits when you need to. Sometimes I find that um, you will develop more equanimity sometimes with metta practice. That's okay. You know, your heart will just feel more at ease just with doing metta practice. Metta uh, on its own sometimes you can feel the equanimity so strong within metta. It's said that metta is truly metta when equanimity is strong within it. So sometimes you'll feel that equanimity within the metta practice even more strongly than you do with the equanimity practice by itself. So I didn't want to say that in the beginning because I wanted you to practice the equanimity, you know, and and do it. It's not that easy to do, you know, and so... um, if I, I was wondering if I told you that in the beginning, you might just turn towards metta and not give equanimity a chance. So, because <laughs> we turn towards what's easier 
which is sometimes good, but sometimes we just have to give uh, the more challenging things a chance. So it's okay to do that. Uh, and then every once in a while, even in your vipassana practice, some of you have already said that when you're practicing vipassana, all of a sudden the fruits of your, the seeds of your equanimity practice are bearing fruit. Like you'll realize you'll be going through something challenging and the equanimity will come and say, it's how it is right now. Has that happened to any one of you? Yeah. So when that happens, like spontaneously, totally receive it. In that moment, your equanimity is um, allowing the, that experience to be known, whatever that challenging experience is, to be known without further reactivity, without an adding another layer of resistance or aversion or attachment to what is happening. So let that spontaneous um, you know, fruition of the seed of equanimity happen. And then there are times when within your vipassana where you may need to bring in by intention a little equanimity when it gets a little challenging for you just to have a little phrase, okay, it's how it is. May I accept it how it is? And you, you may see that it brings the mind and heart to a, a lessened degree of reactivity or maybe um, an absence of reactivity so that it helps you to just be with it as it is. So it's okay to bring it in intentionally, to let it in when it just happens uh, within your Vipassana practice. So those are the ways that you'll, you'll learn how to use it. So good luck. <laughs> may, it, may it be strong in your life, in your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.